preacher When the story began Of the choice of a lady And the love of a man I loved her so dearly He went out of his mind When she left him for someone That she left behind Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, Two-Two Freaks Guide to Heroes on TV and Anti-Heroes on TV and Preachers on TV. It is the Preacher Cast. We're covering Season 4, Episode 7, uh, called Messiahs. And Pat Delmore is back with me. Hope you all enjoyed hello, my, hello. my brief little late uh, mini solo episode. It was actually kind of fun sitting here talking to myself. I heard it. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> it was efficient and swift. And, yeah. Uh, I'll listen to ones I'm not on. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, yeah, right, me too. Um, uh, but we're going to roll into this one and hopefully have it out soon for you and hopefully have the next one out before the next episode. I can keep myself motivated this week, and we're getting very close to the end. Uh, this is episode seven out of ten, and that's um, if they're recording this. We've actually already seen the next one, but we're, yes, we're going to try to stay away have. from that for now. Uh, so we'll just stick to this and do our regular little dual recap thing. And my brain's just not here today, so forgive me in advance, listeners. Um, that's why we've got the script. <laughs> yeah. He's behind the curtain. So, Tulip and Cassidy dig a grave for Jesse, as we remember, went splat last episode from the plane. Uh, the saint watches them from a distance and then walks away, apparently satisfied that uh, Jesse's been taken out of the game. Uh, we're off to go find him in his, his inevitable um, destination that we'll find out next week. <laughs> Uh, once they're done, Cassidy and Tulip uh, fly off in their stolen plane while well, we find out this week, too. Um, Jesse is on the shores of a lake teaching a 10-year-old girl how to fish. And I'd say the girl is obviously supposed to be the baby that Jesse and Tulip never had. Uh, not too hard to unwind that one. The Angel Fior arrives. Yay! Haven't seen him in a while. And greets Jesse and tells Jesse that he's dead, uh, as he suspects. Jesse wonders if he's in heaven, and Fior says that he is. And tells Jesse to come along with him, and the two of them. No, he says it's the not woods. the south of France. Right, it's not says. the south of France. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's right. It's important that he doesn't specifically yep. say it is yep. heaven later. Uh, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he tells him to come along with him, and the two of them walk off into the woods. And uh, Pure talks about the endless war between heaven and hell, and how nobody. You know, could win basically stalemate until God left, and, and then they have to figure some shit out. The angel admits that Jesus doesn't have the killer instinct that Hitler does, and then they're and they're kind of glad about that, as we all are. <laughs> um, although his do- his father can be quite a dick, as we've seen. Uh, Jesse is uh, they, they're glad Jesse is there too, and Fiora opens the door, and they go into a chamber, and angelic soldiers are waiting. And the universe looms overhead. And I just, uh, when I first saw this, I thought it was cut a little too close to what we just saw in uh, Good Omens. 
as far as the angelic army, they were very kind of similarly garbed and such, but whatever. <laughs> Maybe all the same heaven. Um, and Jesse wonders why he's there, and Fjord explains that they actually want him to take God's place and, and beckons him to take the throne that's sitting right there. Yeah, I think Scot- Scottish heaven and uh, British heaven are not... Well, <laughs> too far Scottish, apart. Scottish and English heaven are not that far apart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Neil Gaiman and Garth Ennis. Yeah. But I like uh, the second that Jesse's not teaching that girl the fish, he doesn't really have any context for her at all. Right, but that's... And you know, Fjord, yeah. yeah. It's clearly his, his kid. Yeah, yeah, it's a good that they didn't feel the need to beat us over the head with it, because it was... You right. Know, if you've watched the series, it was pretty obvious. <laughs> and, and taking a look at what, you know, him and Tulip's kid would probably look like, it was a pretty good representation. Well, this is the callback episode, or the beginning of callback episodes. There's so many people that are showing up here that were in yeah. one at one or two episodes at the beginning of the series. Yeah, the, the, the show's definitely taking a little extra fan service on right now and, and peppering in some things from the comics that, you know, they haven't had a chance to get to yet, even if it's just some simple things. But, um, and, yeah, and it's, it, it's kind of getting into, not clip show, it's definitely not a clip show, but we're definitely doing the reverse exposition on a lot of stuff uh, just mm-hmm. to get us ready for the final punch. <laughs> Cassidy and Tulip land to get in the car and drive off. They stop near a farm come nightfall and Tulip takes out the letter from Jesse and reads it crying. Cassidy starts to speak and Tulip gets out without a word and goes into a nearby empty church. Cassidy sees the farm advertising fresh eggs and looks at his burned hand. He goes to the farm, claims that they ran out of gas, and eventually tells the widowed owner he wants to eat his chickens. Tulip tears up the church interior, then calls to God. He doesn't respond. And Tulip looks at the at the painting of God holding the dying Jesus. Tulip goes to the car, meets Cassidy, and tells him that God wasn't home. She knows how to get him. And then she left the uh, church burning, too. Yes. Uh, behind her. Just a thought. Uh, which was... You know, kind of a callback to, it looked a lot like Jesse's church, actually, the one that she went into, I thought, anyway, from, from big, season uh, one. Big actor moment for um, for Joseph Gilgan, you know, with the with the guy who he clearly wants to eat. Yeah, that was good, and they kept it tense and like, you know, you really weren't sure if he was going to just, you know, he was yeah. going to jump over to the, the dark side there for a second. And, and well, the just, guy playing the farmer, too, he's yeah. like... He knows he's in tr- he's in trouble, and he's just you know kind of come what may here. Yeah, yeah, it would be in the eye. No polite polite farmer that's uh, probably let the wrong person in. To, you know. <laughs> but but no, just just wanted the chickens, so that was cool. Uh, yeah, Jesse's church was about. Tw- I mean, definitely the same style as that church, yeah. but it was a little bit, little bit bigger than that. Yeah, but that was a good callback though. Yeah, Ruth Naked does some pretty amazing, you know, those eyes, man, just pretty amazing yes. acting in this, too. Uh, yeah, she's she's opening a movie this weekend, actually. Oh, what she's in, uh, yeah. I've seen at at Astra, yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. At Masada, I don't know if I can get over, uh, hopefully I, Brad Pitt can sell me on a different part than his Tarantino stuff, because I just we watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, not when it came out, and I just got done with a rewatch and glorious bastard so i've got elder rain in my head now 
uh, at Masada, Hoover too gets coffee for Jesus and Hitler from the coffee shop, which is, you know, obviously Starbucks. And uh, they've, you've got all the names written right on there. Jesus, Hitler, and Hoover too on the cups. <laughs> a nice touch there. Uh, the disguised Lara, who's rocking a beard and mustache, asks the Vial father. Wasn't sure it was her for the first seconds, but then they're like, okay. Yeah, there's a rise of like, well, because it was like an obviously fake beard. And like, is this yep. Featherstone? It's got to be Featherstone. <laughs> As if the Allfather is having coffee too, and Hoover too refuses to discuss the uh, Allfather's business. Uh, Star crawls after the dingo that bit off his genitals, as we remember from last episode. Um, nice pixelated, uh, you know, screen over the the flopping dismemberment, <laughs> begging it to stop, and he finally collapses in pain, and a figure finds him on the ground. Not an American talk show, which these these actors just like perfectly portrayed a plastic fucking pundit in my opinion it was beautiful in a horrible way um you know they're going on about the the normal happy stuff and and then the uh the commentator craig says that he's going to talk about something you know a little dark uh about the darkening political situation between australian and new zealand and the world's superpowers are taking sides uh, after the nuclear detonation in the outback, threatening a nuclear exchange that will uh, destroy the world's population. His co-hosts remind him the children are watching, and Craig says the children should tell their parents to get on their knees and beg <laughs> for God's mercy, because America is all that will save them. <laughs> We're not too far off from that being Fox <laughs> Probably News. not, I mean. no, yeah. <laughs> Still waiting on thoughts and prayers to solve everything. Right. <laughs> In heaven, Jesse and Fiora contemplate God's throne. Jesse touches the throne and has a vision of ruling heaven. His eye is glowing as he uses the voice. After a moment, he withdraws his hand and tells Fiora no. Fiora says it's a natural response to a lifestyle change. Jesse says that it's the worst sin there is, and they're all traitors. The angels draw their swords, and Fiora tell, Fior tells them they have to stick together. After a moment, the angels sheathe their swords. And that should have been a big clue for Jesse because accusing an angel of a sin is not a big deal because they don't exist. They don't exist in a right. world where that, that matters to them. Right. Yeah. It's like totally, totally human thing. Uh, so Tulip and Cassidy take a freighter to America and arrive in Williamsburg and meet with uh, Danny. Remember her? And uh, Tulip, <laughs> it's Tulip's friend that's been constantly trying to get her to assassinate her husband. So just to give you a, a real reminder of who she is. Uh, and Tulip says that she knows what they want, um, or Danny tells them that she knows what they want, and um, essentially they think that she knows where Humperdew is. Danny agrees, but first says they have to give her what she wants, the assassination of her husband. And Tulip and Cassidy go to a deli, and Cassidy figures people he used to know there would be dead, you know, a little, little reminiscing. And he tells Tulip that he can do what Danny wants if Tulip doesn't want to do it, and, and he figures that playing by the book hasn't gotten them anywhere, and the gloves are all the way off. And then Tulip just casually draws her gun and shoots in her nearby Jewish customer and walks out. And after a moment, <laughs> Cassidy pays their bill and goes after her. So, should have seen that coming. <laughs> Tulip finally does the deed for Danny. Jesus hugs Humperdew as Hitler looks on. Hitler, a Hitler asks Jesus, 
what Jesus thinks of his descendant, and then plays some soft shoe. Humperdue dances badly, and Jesus notes he thought the Messiah was supposed to be a good dancer. <laughs> Hitler shoots Humperdue dead and says that it's just a clone, and there are hundreds of them running around. They've lost the real Messiah, and Hitler figures that he's dead. However, he figures it doesn't matter because they have a Messiah ready to go. Jesus. And uh, we learned uh, <laughs> probably every every smart aleck kid has thought about this in Sunday school class. Uh, yeah. What if I what if I hug Jesus and got a boner? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he would push you away. <laughs> yeah. As, this, That's your answer, folks. <laughs> as we said at the, uh, the beginning of this season's podcast, that, that it looks like the. Uh, the showrunners have, have been like, you basically have gone like, well, this is our, our final season, so let's just fucking go for it. And no fucks to be given. And yeah, we've got Jesus with a boner. Well, Humperdue with a boner. Yeah. Now, and that's uh, just one of many upcoming images you'll never be able to scrub from your mind. So thanks for joining us in our own personal hells <laughs> that this show is creating in my memory. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you if you don't watch and you just listen to the the podcast and everything we described, you just imagine it ten times worse than that, and you might start to get a grasp on how over the top the show is going. <laughs> and it's grandma, grandma in a rocking chair with her with her PhD is that on television? Yep, that can't be on TV. I think you should get your father to catch up and see where that goes. I, I do really want to get him back into the show. <laughs> Well, as bad as this episode gets, the next one turns it up to 11. I know. <laughs> Very hard to watch. Uh, so where are we here? Tulip and Cassidy go back to Daddy, who confirms that Tulip k- killed her husband. And she's like, I never thought you would do it. I, you know? And I'll, uh, she explains that Jesse g- gave Humperdue to her for safekeeping. And warns that she can't take Tulip to him. And Tulip, of course, jumps across the the table and punches her repeatedly and repeats her question. So not taking no for an answer. Not like Tulip ever really has. So <laughs> Fiora dismisses the angels and tells Jesse they were trying to think outside the box. He offers Jesse a cigarette and suggests that if Jesse refuses the throne, he's going against God's will. Jesse wonders why he's in heaven when he's stolen and killed. Fiora points out that Jesse has done good things as well. The preacher says that his friends let him down, but not in a big way, and he had to get away from them because he was afraid he was going to kill them. He wonders why God sent him there when he hasn't forgiven his friends. Jesse figures that it isn't heaven. The projector shuts down, and Jesse realizes he's in a cell in hell. He pounds on the door and uses the voice to demand they release him, but there's no one to hear him. Uh-huh. So Danny takes Tulip and Cassidy to a synagogue and, and says that he's inside and Danny wonders where Jesse is and Cassidy tells her that he's dead. Uh, Hoover 2 stands outside the conference room and, and listens to Jesus and Hitler arguing. They come out and Jesus walks away. Hoover 2 gives Hitler his coffee and Hitler goes back. And yeah, goes if you have subtitles on, you can actually hear what they're saying to each other. I discovered uh, when I rewatched it. Oh, in the synagogue? Most, no. Or, uh, oh, okay, yeah. Hitler and, 
Hitler and Jesus in that conference room, which is a lot, which is a lot of like, don't raise your voice to me and don't look at me like that. Okay. Yeah. Kind of back no, and I'd, forth bickering. Yeah. I don't have <laughs> subtitles on these, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Danny takes Cassidy and Tulip into the synagogue and leads them to a door and asks if they're ready. Also, they get to see, see the hat that Cassidy was so curious about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was asking um, Danny all about uh, the different kinds of Jewish hats, and he wanted to know what the, what the furry what the furry one was. And sure enough, there's a guy in there with the, with the furry hat on. At, at first, uh, when that scene happened, I'd like forgotten what Danny looked like, so because it's been a while, and I'm like, what is, you know, is Cassie like converting or something, or what are they getting into? To, like, I thought they were yeah. actually trying to convert to, <laughs> to Judaism to to get something done. Uh, and it's mainly because I watched Orange Is the New Black, and one of the women in prison did that for some particular reason in the mm. show. So. <laughs> Humper, Humperdoo is inside with an old rabbi, and I want to say he's being fed library paste. Yeah, oh yeah, he's eating yeah. glue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and Danny explains that Jesse sent Humperdoo to her for safekeeping. She explains that Humperdoo's love changed her and everyone else. Danny plays Soft Shoe, If the Nightingale Could Sing Like You, on the keyboard, and Humperdue dances to the music. Once she's done, Danny insists that Humperdue is special, and she can't let them take him. Tulip throws her against the wall and leaves with Cassidy and Humperdue. As they go through the synagogue, Danny arrives and yells at them to stop. The worshippers gather around them, pulling Humperdue away, and he stands up on a pew. Now, I thought he levitated. Well, that's what we're meant to... Yeah, I, th- I think that's what he we're steps meant to... Down on, he steps down on a pew to get to get at when he's done levitating. Oh, okay. No, he steps I, I down off of a pew. But maybe. No, he, okay. Before he actually did, did levitate. Hmm. Okay. I, I thought yeah. they were, it was a fake out that we were supposed to believe that he was levitating and then he's just standing on a pew. No, instead of dropping, he like stepped, right. Stepped down off of a, uh-huh, off okay. of a pew when he was done. So as the worshippers uh-huh. bow down, uh, Tulip stares around in surprise, and Humperdue goes to Tulip, takes her hand, and leads her and Cassidy out. Danny wonders where they're taking him, and Cassidy talks about his Catholic neighbors who lived uh, near him in Ireland. Talks about how the wife uh, still loved God despite losing her husband and sons. Says that she was a sucker like all of them. And Cassidy says they're going to kill Humperdue in front of God and make him watch. Yeah, I, there's so much to unpack in that synagogue scene. You want to have somebody that actually is Jewish go. Yeah. I okay. Mean, here's the here's the whys and wherefores of this. Well, I, I gotta think uh, it's probably fairly accurate given Seth Gold or you know Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg is uh, you know the producers on this. You got a couple of nice Jewish boys handling this show, so yeah. <laughs> I gotta think they they did it with the uh, proper amount of reverence uh, or irreverence. But I would think. Anyway. They would all be upset that there was anybody in their synagogue saying someone was the Messiah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be as accepting of it as this this group was. Right. Well, it's it's almost it's a bunch of Hasidic Jews, if you know, I'm not mistaken. And, and yeah, now there may be Messianic Jews. So right, <laughs> all for a little dancing, the, the old soft shoe. <laughs> <laughs> In Pensacola, Chief Whitman is eating lunch when the desk sergeant tells him there's a long-distance call for him. It's Hoover 2 who tells him 
that he has all the evidence he needs from his undercover assignment to stop the Grail. He explains that Hitler and Jesus are involved and that their leader is trying to set off a nuclear war using Humperdue. Laura kills Hoover, too, and hangs up the phone and removes her disguise, which is the barista with the beard. <laughs> Tulip and Cassidy drive off with Humperdue, who hangs his head out the window. Now, at first, I, this is how sick and twisted this, this show has my brain going. Um, we'll get back to the cop thing in a second, but when they drove off with Humperdue, I was sure that, like, Tulip was just going to, like, swerve into a tree and, like, decapitate him or something. I figured they were just going to, you know, just kill him as soon as they could and not actually have to wait for God. Is that, yeah, I don't think... That's what a bad person this show has made me. I just yes. want to let our audience but, know that. I think it's going to turn out <laughs> the thing with Humperdue is you're not going to be able to do that. Right. Like, maybe Hitler will try to shoot him and, like, the bullet will just... Dr- he'll put up his hand and the bullet will just drop or something like that. Right. Uh, otherwise, in this scene, it is just dripping with great, like, 80s cop tropes, you know, mm-hmm. with, like, that, you're not going to get start the apocalypse on my watch, you know, tough yeah. undercover cop and all, you know, just yeah. Featherstone just caps him. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> what you're saying is true. You're going to make detective, but it's time you're through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I don't care about any of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so Jesse is lying on the floor of his cell and the hell projector starts up again. Uh, heaven, quotes, uh, reappears and uh, Fjord gre- greets him and Fjord explains that he's just a projection, but the offer is real. If Jesse takes the throne, that it will set him free. Jesse still doesn't want to replace God, uh, despite having issues with him. And God appears on the throne and Fjord says that it's heaven in 2015 and Jesse should watch and listen. So we get a little flashback of how this yes. mess all started. God listens to tape-recorded prayers and grows bored. <laughs> 2015, Fjord comes in, kneels, and tells God that Genesis has escaped, and they don't know where it is. God curses and then thanks Fjord for telling him and orders him to leave so he can come up with a solution. Then he flies off to Earth, driving down the highway on a motorcycle. God picks up a woman and buys a dog suit that catches his eye. And the, the, the cool thing with the, with the dog suit was you're set up to think that God has noticed a beggar that he's right. going to help, yeah, but no. he just walks past him. And... <laughs> just to see what his, God is eye yeah. in his story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you quit, you quit. Yeah, you, know, yep. you, you retired. So. <laughs> yeah. so Jesse, of course, still figures that God has some greater plan, and Fjord tells him he has a big plan. He explains that God has been tinkering and experimenting, now he plans to replace humans with phase three of creation. We get a little scene of God like, putting something like feathers on a tentacle or something. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully we'll get to see that beast eventually. Um, the angel gestures to the throne, repeating his offer to Jesse. So yeah, about to do a, the old complete wipeout thing again and, and replace us with feathered cephalopods, I guess. So that'll be fun. <laughs> we already had that. They were the great old ones. Yeah. <laughs> Space um, beyond space. They are packing a lot into these last few episodes. Yeah, they it's are. This gonna is gonna be enough. Been but, the best season of the show. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it almost makes you a little mad for for not accelerating things sooner. Cause, no kidding. But you know, hey, that's you never start your first season thinking your fourth will be your last, probably. Yeah. And, um, yeah, if there's if there's ever going to be a flaw in this show when it's looked back on, it's going to be that they spent the 
the whole first season in Anvil, although I loved the first season, but um, I, I think some fans might be feeling a little left out. Um, well, I know a lot of people that love Preacher that have no interest in this show at all. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's vastly different. If I'm not mistaken, I've been meaning, I kind of wanted to go back and read the last few issues of Preacher again. I decided against it till the show's over. But I have a feeling those two detectives, you know, Hoover 2 and his buddy back home, might have been like the sexual, um, sexual detectives in the books. I don't remember mm. what their names are, but I'm almost betting. Um, it still actually doesn't give, uh, she gave his name. You know, in the scene, but I'm not seeing it here on my MDB. But it was one of those little things I'm going to have to go retroactively check back and see what Easter eggs they were throwing me. But uh, a lot of it's feeling very familiar now. So they're hitting a lot of beats from the comics and giving us some some quick flashes of, you know, stuff that went on. Like, we only got, like, literally five minutes of, like, Jesus to Sod and stuff like that, which yeah. is much longer in the books, but it, you know. <laughs> uh, so that's that's nice, but they're, they're still rolling along the story, too, so that's good. Um, the next, uh, I don't even know what more to say about this one, knowing what happens in the next one, because the next one's just batshit crazy compared yes, to this. Is. Um, so say we'll wrap up another short one. We'll, we'll get this other one done sometime this week quickly, and um, yeah, fingers crossed. We get Brian Hughes, who <laughs> yeah, we got to drag him in here again, definitely. With all that, with all that happens in this next episode, it'll be really interesting to hear his yeah. his take on stuff. Uh, spoilers ahead of time. I, I can watch a lot, but man, the next episode of this was—I actually had to shut my eyes in a couple scenes. It was that fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. It's just, and uh, there's pl- there's plenty of times on uh, in the future of the boys where they could definitely oh, go. Yeah. Hey, we did it on we did it on preacher. Uh, let's do it here. Yeah, D- David Cronenberg's still alive, people. I'm just saying, get him to direct an episode or two. Because <laughs> <laughs> the body horror is is rich and glorious in this show and, and the boys. <laughs> Um, but yeah, at the very least, we'll we'll try to gather like um, if we can't get Brian on for episode eight or nine, we'll try to plan it so we can get as many of the people who've been on this podcast as possible for the final and do an oh, extra double sized yeah. issue and, and say goodbye to this amazing show. But uh, for now, I guess we'll just say goodbye this week and, and pump this one out and keep it going. Yep, I know uh, Andy Leyland and his kid went through the whole Preacher series on um, on their show, on the books? comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They covered the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Should go back and give that a listen. I'd love yep. to hear. You know, I, I don't know. I if I seem to remember correctly, I wasn't sure that Andy was that much of an Ennis fan, but maybe Michael was. I've heard him talk about no, other Andy Ennis. Is- that's or maybe he, it's uh, uh, maybe it's Morrison. I don't think Andy likes Morrison very much. Yeah, that's who it is. <laughs> yeah, Grant, Grant Morrison that Andy doesn't like and Michael loves. Yeah, it's how you can not like Garth Ennis' stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I can't understand, but then again, I don't understand normal sane people anyway. So, <laughs> just 
you can't be normal or sane and be a Garth Ennis fan, I've decided. Did you hear the uh, the theory that Peter Capaldi is going to be playing Grant Morrison in uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad? No way, really? That would yeah, be... they sh- he shaved his head bald for it. Oh my god. They're thinking they're going to go, he's going to take the meta route. Yeah. With him might... and have uh, Capaldi be the creator as Morrison. Oh wow, that might not be a bad, I don't know, they kind of did that over on the Doom Patrol TV show, so I don't know if they want to mess with that. Uh, Morrison himself wasn't in it, but they they li- literally directly referenced Grant Morrison in the Doom Patrol TV series. So, yeah, I remember that. That was, that was very early on in the show. Yeah, yeah with yeah. Alan Tudyk. Yeah. I didn't end up finishing Doom Patrol. I haven't either yet. I will eventually. But, um, yeah, but. supposedly Titans had a hell of a course correction in the return. Uh... I, I don't know. I enjoyed. I've watched the first two so far, and pretty much the yeah, first, like- the first episode back. And I've read stories on this too. Apparently, it was like kind of a Frankenstein job between what they still had left over from season one. And, you know, it was originally supposed to kind of be the the season one finale. And it's kind of chopped together with some new stuff, and the editing is kind of noticeable. Um, and it. The whole Trigon thing is resolved a little too quickly, in my opinion, for being this you know full season build up villain. But but the second one, they, they seem to be launching into it pretty good, and we get to see Bruce Wayne. And I wish we had time to cover Titans because not being like a huge Titans or DC fan, I mean I like DC's properties, like all the, the iconic stuff. Um, but I really like it. It's like sits in this nice little Elseworlds comic yeah. continuity. That doesn't have to get too specific. It gets actually gets very specific with what's going on in the rest of the universe. You know, the Justice League yeah. is out there. We just met Bruce Rain- Wayne, and you know they reference all kinds of old stories from the comics. But it's it's done well. I think it's written well that it doesn't have to worry about you know referencing too many things that we might never get to see. We just kind of know it's out there, and that's that's what a comic book always was to me. It's like you can reference all these other things, but you don't have to have you know, a Spidey Marvel team up every show, you know. But they're apparently, they're stuffing a lot of characters into it that are interesting. You know, like Superboy and Deathstroke and his daughter and freaking Jericho's coming. And, Ooh, yeah, I've whole, always liked Jericho quite a bit. Whole nine yards, so it's, yeah. They're, they're putting out some quality stuff. Too, still too much reliance on, it's, we just have to accept that it's a universe that everybody says fuck all the time. That's the only thing yeah. I still kind of can't get over, <laughs> but, but I, I highly recommend it. Uh, probably more than Doom Patrol. I, I do like what I saw of Doom Patrol, but it, this is more mainstream, you know, tights and capes stuff. Um, so, yeah, I didn't have any problem with Doom Patrol other than you know if I wasn't watching it, I wasn't thinking about it. Yeah, so I just you know didn't come back to it every time. I think I probably saw the first five. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about where I stopped, and I'm sure it's it's worth watching the rest of them at least just to see the season one arc complete. But I'll get around to it someday. Uh, but let's wrap it up for this one, I guess. Uh, yeah, I just don't know what more to say. But I'm just they're they're taking us out on a high note for this last season. Um, just don't want it to end, man. Cause they just keep turning up the weirdness. It's great. 
All right. It's Weekly Heroics. We'll see you again next week. Bye now. Yes, we will. Cried like a baby. He screamed like a panther in the middle of the night. And he saddled his pony. And he went for a ride. Time with the preacher in the year of old one. Now the preaching is over and the lessons begun. 